Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. And let me uh, welcome in this very patient soul. So I already know that she has the mental temp- temperament to be anything, of course, that she wants to be. She knows how to just roll with whatever's going on and then make it happen. Uh, but she is a candidate for California State Controller. She is the chair of California, the California State Board of Equalization. I need to find out what that is. Let me welcome to the show, Malia Cohen. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Good, good to see you. Good to see you. Good, good to see you. All right. What good is the, what is the State Board of Equalization? What is, I've never heard of that mm. before. My, my first favorite question uh, is the California Board of Equalization is important. It's an independent elected body that is responsible for the administration of the property tax system here in the state of California. Now, there's, these are big numbers we're talking about. The state of Board of Equalization brings in $85 billion annually to the state, to local government, to state government. And so it's really important. The state property tax system is the most stable tax system uh, revenue stream for the state of California to the tune of, like I said, $85 billion. And that's down. Just two years ago, we were at $127 billion. But it, um, it, it, it's steady and... Um, and uh, they need us. So, so uh, hello. And it makes yes. California one of the richest, also one of the most expensive states to live in, which is why I guess it is 85 yes. billion. But a lot of people left California. They was like, we're going to Vegas and we're going to New, New Mexico where we don't have to pay as much uh, in taxes because taxes, you know, as a homeowner, Drew's a homeowner where a lot of people listening are homeowners. Taxes become mm-hmm. a thing. Now, on yeah. this board, I'm, I want to just understand this because I've never heard of this before, but how important that you preside over over $85 billion and people elect you and how many people voted for their state board of equalization? They probably don't even know who's on it. So, you know, that's interesting because some people do and usually people who are in trouble or can't pay their property taxes or need some help, they know how to find us and they know how to, <laughs> right. to, to get some help. But I represent um, 10 million people which is approximately the fourth of the population for the state of California. I represent 23 different counties. So when I was elected, uh, we got a little over 2 million votes. And that's not bad for a young sister that is doing something and, you know, making history. There was no, no black woman has ever been elected to this position in the history of California. So we're talking about almost 150 years. So change is coming slowly, but surely. And uh, what we are doing is this agency is responsible for religious institutions, Greek organizations, um, um, like churches, making sure that they know that there is a property tax exemption status that they qualify for. So the work that I'm doing is important. A lot of it has to do with outreach. A lot of it has to do with education. The people that can afford a lobbyist and a lawyer, they know how to find their way through the loopholes and how know what kind of benefits are out there. Unfortunately, uh, communities of color, African-American, Latinx, LGBTQ women communities, we are always kind of like the last to know about what's going on and how how um, how systems can benefit us. So I've been trying to, to change that tide and talking to people, letting them know, hey, listen, your organization qualifies for property tax exemption. And so that's, and like you said, that's very important. That is a huge um, expense to think about the Black church that has been going through a lot of changes, particularly now that we're kind of coming out of this pandemic, just making sure that they have someone there that, ha- that has their back, that can answer their tax questions for them. Taxes is a space that we don't normally feel comfortable operating. So that's a large part of my service and why I do what I do. 
Malia Cohen, and you can follow her at Malia, like like you know Obama, Malia Cohen, uh, and you can go to MaliaCohen dot us dot us. I'm gonna say it like that because you about you about us in our business. I appreciate that dot us. Um, okay, so I'm imagining you have a finance background, Malia. I think um, you might. Y- yes and no. Yes and no. So yes, I have a degree from Fisk University, one of the nation's strongest, most pre- most preeminent HBCUs in National Tennessee political science with a concentration of public administration. And then I also have a degree from Carnegie Mellon University, a master's in public policy and management. And so that finance background really does come back from the business classes that I took at the uh, Tepper School of Business. All right, so why did you want to be the, not, not just on the board, but the chair? I guess once you get on the board, then they put you in, in the chair or do you run for chair? You, your colleagues do elect you, so I, ran for chair, but sometimes, you know, I know you know this, Karen. When people need leadership, sometimes the calling finds you. <laughs> I had a couple of ideas and next thing you know, they were like, oh, you should be the chair. And so we were, when the election was in 2018. I was sworn in 2019 and also in 2019. And that first board meeting was elected by my colleagues. That was the first time. This is actually my second time around having, having the chairwomanship. So um, just, I think, being outstanding now um i know um drew wants it's like double dutch but i just i've 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 not i don't think i've talked to a controller on this show and i definitely have never talked to a uh, board of equalization never in my entire life so i'm i'm excited because i feel like you know every day we're learning something (laughs) that we should probably all know like this should be in a civics class somewhere like here are the people that impact your life and here are the offices that are most important, but we focus on the president and, and the president gets all of the blame for everything. But it's these people here that are going to right. re- reroute your tax dollars or your money or your, your water or your garbage or, you know, or, or call an audible and say, Hey, this is not where we should be spending our tax dollars. See, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about the controller. Now I'm, you know, I'm running for controller now and the controller sits on the board of equalization. It's a natural fit. It's a natural progression for the type of work that I do. And if you will recall, the first piece of legislation that Donald Trump ever did had, had to relate with restructuring the uh, tax code for the United Mm. States. You remember that? Remember how he let his friends, his wealthy friends uh, pay less taxes. And so there is something to be said in the spaces of taxes. And I will be very frank, as African-Americans, as women, we need to be more mindful about where our finances are going, how we are spending our money, and also our taxes. Preparing uh, uh, and understanding different uh, uh, tax shelter opportunities that are available to us. Um, Saving for a rainy day. All of these things, it's a a new space, I think, for African-Americans in particular. We're very comfortable advocating for police reform and, and criminal justice and even reproductive rights. But when it comes to taxes, finances, and fees, we gotta step up. We gotta step up, which is the lot, which is what motivates me to run for office. In order for us to change the face of power, to change the dynamics, to change how money is affecting our community, we must understand these budgets and finances. And I'm not saying you have to be a genius in math. No, but you do have to be able to, to add basic, base, there's some basic math that is required. And so I try to make this as easy as, easy, easy as, as, as possible for people to understand why tax policy is important. Why setting up a, maybe a 529 plan for your child uh, and their 
and their future education is important. So there, there are a lot of lessons that I like to teach when I'm talking to people. And I, I think one of the things that I do best is I make it very simple, very plain and let people know why you enjoy, why, why are property taxes so high? Why, did they, why are the intercity um, school districts failing disproportionately compared to um, um, suburban districts? And that has to do with 1950s housing policy long before we, we, you know, we, were, we were even thought of. The redlining, I mean, these are effects, these are pieces of legislation that do affect our fiscal and financial health as a community and as a family. And so just making sure that we are dispelling these rumors and breaking away from these vestiges that quite honestly have kept us down. Malia, it's so it's so interesting you say that because one of the things that I I'm, whenever I meet a black economist, I'm always like mm. I like I met a superstar, right? Because <laughs> I love I I in my old job and my current job, my um, and so one of the things that I always ask them is, who do you need to co to be a co collaborator and co conspirator, right? Because mm. I feel like it comes back to my people lack for uh, my people perish for lack of information. Yes. Like one, one little tax piece of knowledge yes. can shift in, in perpetuity, right? Like, you know, somebody told you to tell you about, oh, there's a homestead exemption for this, or there's, or actually you don't have to pay tax on that, or you can write that off. Like that becomes like, oh, I didn't know that. Like now I have this benefit forever. How do we get more, uh, more sort of like tax and economic kind of, um dots to connect for our communities should, where should we be going to tell these sort of economic stories in our communities so you know i think that it's been a, it's an evolution yeah. um, think about our grandparents were probably the first folks in the generation to own a home or to have that had that home ownership vision right we're talking about people, at least my people, descendants of sharecroppers and descendants of slaves. So as our generations, we continue to grow and mature and become more established in the quote unquote American dream, um, we need to continue to educate ourselves. So now we own property. And I'm and, and for my conversations, I'm gonna I I specialized in the area of property, right? So now we own property. Now we need to be vigilant of the rules that they're using to change, that they're changing the rules on how we can pass down our property to, mm -hmm. to our children. Now, this is something that's been happening in the state of California. So just as, it's just like, as soon as we get, get a house or our grandparents get a house and they want to transfer down to our parents or to their grandchildren, they change the rules. And we need to be aware of how these rules are being changed and focused. That's why platforms like what we're on right now are in, incredibly important because even while I'm campaigning, people are like, um, when I was running for the board of equalization, they would say, um, taxes, that has nothing to do with black people. That has nothing to do with me. I'm like, oh no, no, no. You we pay a lot of taxes. I know I do. Right. Right. You think about how our grandparents, and I always use it as an example, um, fought for their house and they paid pennies on the dollar. And now with, um, re with gentrification, now they're trying to come back into the main city core and they're driving up the prices to where we cannot even afford to live here or that we are selling our family homes and moving to other places thinking in, in you know Karen you said Vegas as an example that's exactly right these homes that our parent our people bought for like forty thousand dollars at least in San Francisco they're going for million dollar homes mm -hmm. so you do have an opportunity to, to make money but we got to be wise about and, and think about generational wealth and wealth building Drew to your point you talked you, you slipped in a little scripture there I picked it up a people will perish where there is no vision yeah. And though the vision will come, you have to wait for it because it is coming to a, for an appointed time. Now, I won't, I hope you're impressed, Drew, but. Uh, I am. 
I am. Habakkuk. Okay, that's coming from the Old Testament. <laughs> that's so Old Testament right doing. there. But you went to Sunday school. school. You got to go to a Sunday school for the Old Testament. <laughs> that's, that's, that's old school knowledge right there. But it's very true. If we have no vision, if we don't see ourselves, we will not. We will no longer exist. We will be relying on other people. Now, the second part of your question was, is how do we build this coalition? Where do we get information? And I would say venues, platforms, just like what we are on right now, reaching people, um, connecting with people, sharing what we know. People can follow me on Instagram. They can follow me on social media. We are always posting stuff. Now, a lot of the things that I post is relevant to the people that live in the state of California, but there are other resources that we can begin to bring um, and people that we can um, that we can follow, like my my fab finances. My um, is one of the people I love to. Uh, this black woman I love to follow on Instagram. I mean, she's just got real salient issue um, points that that affect us, and our fiscal health is very much relevant. Think about the future generations that we are need to prepare for. We gotta we gotta we got a responsibility to. We can't just sit back and let other people make decisions for us. I love it. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. We're talking with Malia Cohen. So you said uh, sharecroppers, formerly enslaved people. Yeah. Where, where are you from? Tell us. Tell us who you are. We know you went to Fisk, so that that says something that you made it that does. decision. But uh, tell yeah. us. Tell us your background. So um, I was born here in San Francisco. Uh, my parents are also born in San Francisco. Now my grandparents, my father's parents, come out of Houston, Texas, Lamar, Galveston area, the Gulf coast and my mother's family comes from new orleans louisiana now after that you know things get a little dicey because as you know may notice my last name is cohen also and so we've got two theories working first is the theory that my my black people were enslaved are owned by cohen's but that is a unique history Point because not many Jews were able to allow were allowed to own sl- a lot of slaves. Enslaved, so, enslaved. I just in, language is important to me. Just you're I, absolutely I just, right. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. Thank you for correcting me. I received that. We're enslaved, um, and so Cohen's my grandfather and grandfather traced that Cohen lineage from Cohen's that came from Prussia that settled in Coffeeville, Alabama. And my grandfather's father was white and had a business and he was married to a black woman. And this is in Texas. And he had a small business. He was able to go on both sides of the track, you know, be in the white community and the black community and collect the garbage. So he was in the, he was um, in in the refuge and collecting the garbage. And so that's how he built up his, um, his family. That's how he, he, um, that's how my grandfather tells the story. So there is, there is competing stories about where and how he came about with the last name Cohen. But one thing that is not, I am not mistaken of is how the world sees me and how I am socialized Mm -hmm. and how I was raised. And that certainly was, it was and is as a black woman. I wonder how often Cohen got you in, in the door, which is interesting. Don't have to answer that. Is that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but also Galveston, we were just talking about Juneteenth um, mm-hmm. first hour. And, and many people don't know, you know, it's like this holiday now has been handed over. But for a century or more, it was a primarily Texas holiday. Yep. It was primarily in that region that you're talking about of Galveston, which is where George Floyd's family is from, by the way, the irony <laughs> of all of that. But the Great Migration sent y'all out west. And I think it's fascinating right. that you landed in San Francisco, which is a heavy, heavy Asian, you know, population as well. So well, it is now. 
But at the time when that great migration was coming, it was it was heavily African-American because they were working in the shipyards, right? You think about that, that's where I live now, that's where my family, that's where we were able to buy houses in this, during this out-migration um, from, and you know, folks went up to Chicago, folks went up to um, Texas, came out of Texas, came up into the San Francisco area, in the Bay Area, Oakland, all in search for a job. Then they found them. They found the jobs. Uh, but then when the Navy pulled out and when the shipyards began to close, so did that local economy. That Black thriving econ economy also, also shriveled up. And so people are now migrating. You see that now, like you said, to Las Vegas, um, to different parts of the uh, different parts of, of California. Mm. Uh, so history is repeating itself. Unfortunately, um, and I want to get back to something you said early. You won with two million votes, mm -hmm. which I'm looking at Kamala Harris when she last ran for the Senate, her primary. She got 2.1 million votes. Mm -hmm. When you said that, I said, huh, Malia Cohen could win a lot of different offices. She got two million people that know her name, <laughs> that pulled a lever <laughs> for her. And a and a and a in an office nobody even really knows like the uh, the state board of equalization you got two. Now I agree. That's the miraculous part. <laughs> nah, there's so, there's something going on there, Malia Cohen. So state controller gives you power over what? Because this is the you sure. said the graduation and natural progression of your. And then yes. what's what comes out of controller? What what's next? I don't know what comes. I don't. I'm not quite sure what comes out of controller. I'm still trying to step into that space. But when I'm thinking about the state controller, the state controller has the ability to audit every single tax dollar that is spent in the state of California. And we already established that California is the fifth largest economy in the world. Yeah. The controller has a vote on the world's largest pension plan. So can you imagine how many people that affects? That's huge. And it's, it's arguable that it's the most, the second most powerful position to the governor. But what the controller can actually do is that she can um, check the spending that the governor has allocated and she can check the spending that the state legislature has allocated. So what I'm up against is no small feat. I'll be honest with you. The state of California has only elected four African-Americans in a statewide position. You had Wilson Riles, you had Merv Dimley, which came out in the 70s, and then you had Kamala Harris in 2015 when she ran for attorney general. And then you have Tony Thurman, who's a secretary of uh, superintendent of public instruction. He was elected in 2018. So four statewide. So what I'm attempting to do is become the fifth person af African-American descent elected in a statewide position. And what's unique is that we're talking about constitutional offices. So that means that our duties and functions are spelled out in the California state constitution, such as much as the governor, the lieutenant governor, the secretary of state, who by the way, the governor appointed is a black woman. Her name is Dr. Shirley Weber. She's on the ballot here in the state of California. She's running for re-election because she was appointed. Tony Thurman is running for re-election and I am of course running for state controller. And one last point I want to I want to close out on, and that is, many people want to know what the heck does the controller do? Now, I did a little bit of the key functions, but the controller, quite honestly, when you think about accounting, you have accounts receivable, and that's the money that is moving into an account, moving into state government coffers. Accounts payable, that's the controller's function. She is the signature on that check. State employees, um, grant recipients 
funding uh, legislation, these are all going to be sanctioned and approved by the state controller. So my job is to be an independent voice for the disbursement of these tax dollars. And that's exactly what I will be doing. I love it. Uh, we take some calls. Malia Cohen Absolutely. Malia Cohen dot us. Let's go to Sheila in San Francisco. Hey, welcome. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you so much, Karen, for having Miss Cohen on. I just wanted to let you know, Miss Cohen, that I voted for you. And this is the Thank second you. time I will be voting for you. I voted for you for State Board of Equalization, and I proudly voted for you only male voting for controller. And I love Thank you. I appreciate it. Love it. And what, I'm a, I also wait, 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 Sheila, what did you say? What did, I'm sorry. You said something about her daughter? Yeah, I love your commercial. She oh. has, Malia Cohen has a commercial that's running on our, in our uh, area. Yeah. And uh, she has her daughter. She says uh, she's proud to be called. Uh, she goes through several scenarios. And one of them is, I'm proud to be called Mama. And her daughter yeah. says Mama on it. So it's so cute. Oh. All right. Well, listen, Karen, we will we will drop a, we will drop a link for you uh, so you can see this in the chat. I could Google. I, Google's my friend right now. Well, maybe okay. Yahoo, Yahoo yeah. or Google. Yeah. Thank you, Sheila. Well, listen. Yeah, um, we appreciate. Want you, we want you to be controller because I'm a member of PERS. Oh, PERS. okay. I'm a retiree, so definitely. Okay. And I see your next. I see your next move as being either lieutenant governor or governor. So we okay, don't keep well, the train you. going. All right. Okay. Yeah. One, let 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 this let the steps play out. Let's not, let's go, Sheila. Thank, thank you. you Sheila. Uh, what what is PERS? Oh, Cal PERS and Cal STRS. Those are the two. They're the retirement systems that state. She's a retired uh, uh, state government worker, and so that pension fund, as I mentioned, is the largest one in the world. And so she wants to make sure that it's fully funded, so that she can continue to draw down her retirement. I love it. <laughs> uh, I'm a member of PERS too. Kevin Haynes wants to know on Twitter, uh, are you involved in the high speed rail project? And is the project green? Is it greenlit all the way to Nevada? It's not greenlit all the way to Nevada. There's a lot of starts and stops to it. Uh, I was more involved when I was on the California, when I was sat on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. I'm not involved with the high speed rail other than being a proponent for it, for its extension. Um, but it, it, it's continuing to go forward slowly but surely, starting in Fresno. All right. Uh, let's take Renee, who's also in California. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hey, Renee. Hey, Karen. Hi, Drew. Hope everyone's doing hey. well. Thank you. Hey, um, Malia. Um, I just wanted to call and tell you, I am so happy that you're on the Karen Hunter Show. I've been trying to get our Californians out here to listen more, but... Mm. I can't tell you how excited I am to vote for you next week. I like literally am like chomping at the bit just to vote. I, I voted for you before. I think this is California's opportunity to really have someone in place who has a Californian's interest at heart. And I, I'm so excited to vote for you. Thank you so much. That is so thoughtful of you to call in and shout me out like that. That means a lot. And I will not embarrass you. And I will not disappoint you. I will always do my best. Well, I'm glad to have you on. The primary is June 7th, June 7th. Uh, early voting in California, people mail-in votes. What, like, yes. what, what can they do uh, to, to make sure? And, and also, if you are ba- mailing in ballots, make sure you go to white neighborhoods, uh, you know, stealthily 
No, don't go in hordes of numbers that, you know, could raise attention and drop your ballots in the white neighborhoods and make sure they're counted. Maybe California's <laughs> not maybe California's not problematic, but I'm just I'm, let's let's make sure all our ballots are counted. Well, Karen, but, let me tell you how we do it in California, because I think this would be a model for the entire state, particularly Florida and Georgia and um, some of these other red states, Texas. We, we, we are a full-on mail-in ballot, the entire state, the entire state. And people who, have, or who are no longer incarcerated also have the, vote, the right to vote. And if you are um, in county, um, county jail, you also still have the right to vote. This is a mail-in ballot. This is very simple. We're, making the, the, it, we're eliminating all of the barriers to entry. So people have received their ballot. They've had it in hand since May 9th. June 7th is the deadline. So people can vote anytime. They actually have already been voting for the like last um, four weeks. The last, the fifth week is coming up, and I'm excited. And um, I think we are poised to 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 come out strong in this primary. But for me, the race won't be over. Hopefully, I will be able to advance and go on into November, and uh, compete in the general election. So those folks that are in California, keep turning those ballots in, get your cousins to vote, tell your mama to vote, tell everyone to vote for Malia Cohen um, so that we can make history together. Malia, one last question for you. Um, How important is it for for local races and statewide races where the candidate is black? How important is it for those black candidates to get national name recognition and attention how how important is it becoming that's actually incredibly important it's quite it's been an area where we have struggled um um, the national name recognition is helpful when you're raising money um you see stacy abrams crisscrossing this united states being able to raise money and she's got a huge race on her hand that's going to be costing um probably tens of millions if not hundreds of millions of dollars um we are not in that we are not in that place but if you had a, a national attention would bring in, you know, dollars that I would not normally be able to to tap into. And if you recall, um, one of the reasons why Kamala Harris stopped running for office, she talked about running out of money. It's very difficult to raise money. Um, It's very expensive to to be on the airways and to, 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 to launch and to be you know, a, a relevant candidate here in the state of California because the cost of doing business is just so incredibly high. Uh, but na- the national platform, like being on this show is, is important. Also, we need to know who each other are in terms of representation, right? We need to know what's going on, not just in our own neighborhood, in our own state, but across the entire country. We need to know what's going on in Val Deming's race in Florida. We need to know what's going on in Georgia. We need to know um, so that we can continue to band together and and, and really exercise our, our, our um, right to vote and that voting power that we have as a people across the nation. I love it. Um, I love that you said that. <clears throat> Uh, great question, Drew Leonard in California. Last question, because um, Malia has a a uh, is it a b- beef patty or a chicken patty waiting for you? <laughs> it's beef patty. That's delicious. Uh, Leonard, welcome. Hey, hey, how's people got to eat, y'all? They got to eat. She I, can't just be campaigning. She needs sustenance. And, that, and that's why I'm gonna make it quick. I just wanted to know one. Uh, I'm from, I'm in Stockton, California, right now. I wanted to know one. How can we? How can we get involved with your not with your campaign because the election's already coming up? But yeah. afterwards, what can we do to continue to continue to keep your name in our mouths and throughout our city, throughout our cities and our states? And then also, is there any resources that you have that can kind of shed light to the minority community, specifically Black males who 
recently have maybe purchased a home and want to learn more about property tax and uh, mm-hmm. some things that we can mm-hmm. do to, to keep that residual income going. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple things. Um, I would just encourage you to just find a social media platform, just connect with me, um, DM me, or just find some way to get in contact. Um, on the Board of Equalization, if you go to that website there, you know, just look for my picture. You can My email is associated with that. Um, it's Malia Cohen at B-O-E dot C-A dot gov. It's a mouthful, but it's <laughs> out there. And um, that's one way. The other way is at this point, uh, you said you're in Stockton, right, Leonard? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so you're in Stockton. So I, I, my commercial is running out there in the Stockton area. And so we are just um, still fundraising. And if you're so inclined, you've got a couple pennies that you could throw my way, you can um, certainly go to our website and, and make a contribution that would help, help us go a long way to finish strong. Yeah, great. Yeah, roll up your sleeves, Leonard. Get busy. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So what we're going to also do, I'm going to find your uh, video. We're going to tweet out the video and I want everyone listening to retweet it, tweet it, send it to people. I'm not on Facebook, but y'all know it was a lot of billion and one people on Facebook, put it on Facebook because I'm not on Facebook and share it widely to all of the friends that you have and tell them if they know someone in California, vote for Malia Cohen. Let's go. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of that. All of it. Yes. Karen, I want you to know I appreciate the work that you're doing. The space that you are filling is incredibly important. And um, I'm, I am inspired by your tweets. I see, I'm following you and very grateful for your work because it's it counts and it matters. Thank you. Thank you. We get there together, Malia. We need you in that seat. We got some things to get done and beyond. Malia Cohen, maliacohen.us or us at Malia Cohen on the Twitters. We'll tweet out everything. Much success to you, June 7th. Vote, vote, vote for her. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.